Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Ansham at Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Miketz, Jewish identities hidden and revealed from Joseph to Judah Maccabee. So in your life, do you ever remember being uncomfortable because of your Judaism? Oh, sure. Plenty of times. I mean, I lived in Louisiana and Texas for a long time where, you know, people legitimately had never met Jews and had all kinds of stereotypes about them. I can remember once when I was probably around 16 or so, walking into a classroom and seeing kids writing swastikas on the blackboard in a classroom that was empty and having to decide in that moment, you know, whether to confront them or whether to walk away and avoid a conflict. So uh, sure, I, I would imagine every Jew has had experiences where they feel like that pull of what that pressure, that conflict, you know, do you identify yourself? I won't ask you what you chose to do that day. I'll tell you, I I did go in there and said, you guys better erase that. And they did. And I walked away at that point. I didn't take it any further. Interesting. I wonder how many people would do that today. I, and the reason I ask you is because our portion this week is Miketz. And in the portion of Miketz, you have this kind of flash, this remarkable moment where Joseph's fortunes are turned. He was in prison one minute, and the next thing you know, because of his remarkable ability to uh, interpret dreams, he's taken out of prison, becomes basically the right-hand man of Pharaoh because he now offers this stunning economic policy to the Egyptians and is really put in charge of their grain production over the next seven years of plenty so that they can build storehouses and the Egyptians will be able to weather the upcoming famine of seven years that he has interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. But what's interesting about this story is that Joseph is also very concerned about hiding his identity, changes his name. He marries a priest's daughter, which, by the way, is a social move in some ways, or at least it can be interpreted that way. If you want to be accepted in the host society, right, this is not a Jewish concept, this is what people have been doing for a long time. And so here's Joseph, who has all the trappings of an Egyptian, but he's actually still secretly a Jew. And the fact that he names one of his sons Menashe, because, as he says, it's about forgetfulness. That seems to be a direct statement that he wants to forget who he is as a Jew. Yeah, I think it's certainly something I can relate to and understand most Jews can, but it's it's true, as you said, for, for anybody who's um, a minority or new and trying to fit in, trying to climb the social ladder when the ladder is not their own. I think of uh, what W.E.B. Du Bois said about African-Americans having this double identity, being both black and being American and trying to to reconcile those two things and what Martin Luther King talked about when he went for the first time to the North and studied at a seminary in Pennsylvania and saying that he was careful not to eat certain foods because he didn't want to fulfill in the minds of white people around him certain stereotypes. He wanted to be seen as just like them and how conflicted he felt about that because is that selling out your identity as an African-American, right? So I think that that's something we Jews can relate to for sure. This idea of trying to hide is really kind of marks Joseph as the first diaspora Jew. So ironically, Jews were already dealing with identity issues even before Moses, even before they had their own land. 
we're, we're dealing with what it feels like to be other in a host society. Yeah, and it's one thing to be other, and it's another to be persecuted and to be homeless. Uh, that's even more of an other. And I think that helps sort of define the, the attitudes that are involved. I'm thinking about this in relationship to Hanukkah, because in a very real way, Hanukkah is the story about the response to a host culture that is aggressively trying to impose itself on our people. That's the story of Hanukkah, isn't it? I mean, it's not just a story about land and empires like it was with Babylonia or Rome. It's an issue of identity and taking on a different identity or crushing one identity in favor of another. Because Antiochus Epiphanes was zealous for wanting to spread the Hellenist word, the Hellenist gospel, if you will. And the Maccabees, they're the ones who stand up and say, no, we will not accept this. And the war for the Jew is also a war for identity. And I'm wondering, this could have only happened in a place where Jews had their own land. If you're living in a host culture, you're not like going to go on a culture war against the host culture and say, well, we're going to defeat that here. The best we can hope for in the diaspora is that the host culture won't impose itself on us. But it's a very different idea, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's rooted in being the outsider. It's rooted in feeling like your existence is hanging by a thread and relies at least in part on another group. And you have to decide you know, whether to fight that other group or to assimilate with that other group or face defeat at the hands of that other group. And that becomes a core part of your identity, I think, when you're in the minority. And I think you can see this in the ways in which Jews celebrate Hanukkah. If you go to Israel, the focus of Hanukkah is on the military. And even from the time of Herzl going forward, the notion was that Jews wanted or should want to be the new Maccabees. That was the rallying cry. Just like the Maccabees in their time were able to defeat the many, even though they were utterly outnumbered, so too in our time, we're the modern Maccabees and we're going to defeat the larger cultures and the, and the armies that surround us. And we can do the same. And the story of Israel, in many ways, is that story. But in Israel, when Hanukkah is celebrated, first of all, it's not a, a huge holiday on the calendar. Kids are not given gifts eight nights. It's more or less an opportunity to celebrate not only the military victories of the past and the survival of the Jewish people, but its culmination in the land of Israel. Don't forget that the national symbol of Israel is a menorah. Now, it's not a Hanukkiah. But it is a menorah, and the basis of that idea was that in the Ark of Titus, when Titus crushed the uh, Judeans, he took all the spoils of the temple. That's how they got the money to build the Colosseum. So right outside the Colosseum is the Ark of Titus, and then engraved on the Ark of Titus in this release, are, you see Jews carrying the spoils of the temple on their backs. So one of the things is the menorah, and it's a very stylized menorah. And so when the state of Israel was established, they chose that as the national symbol, as if to say, we've brought the menorah home. So all of these ideas are coming together for Israelis on Hanukkah, whereas what happens in the United States? Now, you know as well as I do how Hanukkah is celebrated. 
Yeah, it's all about assimilation here. It's about uh, trying to uh, make uh, our own little Christmas. It's really interesting that it's so different that Americans, I guess maybe because we are in the minority here and not in the minority in Israel, that we feel the need to behave differently, to um, struggle with that doubleness that W.E.B. Du Bois talked about, trying to be both American and Jewish. And in, in the case of Hanukkah, I would argue maybe more American than Jewish. I think there's a lot to what you're saying. And the fact is, is that we, the Jews in America, take it a step further. We don't talk about the militarism. We barely acknowledge it. Even with the state of Israel, we talk about the miracle of oil, right? And the spirituality, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit alone. And so the essence of the holiday is all about the spirit, and not about the military, not about the geopolitics. I mean, what would Judah Maccabee say if he stopped by the Eig House on one of the nights of Hanukkah? <laughs> and he said to you, you know, how do you celebrate my holidays? Oh, why don't you hear here's a latka? Right. It's like, yeah, you say, you spoiled fat Americans, get off your tushes and uh, get in shape. Wait a minute. Because we right. may have to fight again someday. And Judah Maccabee would then say, well, let's look at a map. I want to show you how I thought through the military approach to push Antiochus off of the Temple Mount. Oh, come on. Can we talk about the miracle of oil again? Let's spin the needle and sing some songs. And by the way, if you actually had that conversation with Judah Maccabee, then I have a feeling he would say, I don't know what you're talking about, this miracle of oil. Right. It doesn't make an appearance until much later. And there's a whole line of thought that says that after the destruction of the uh, Second Temple, the rabbis were really trying to demilitarize and get away from that kind of messianic thinking and and fighting and kind of turn inward. Well, American Jews are turning inward as well, not because they don't want that. It has nothing to do with the Messiah, but has everything to do with wanting to fit in. Yeah, it's really interesting. And um, that's the assimilationist in us. And the question then becomes like, Do you get too soft? Do you take it for granted? Do you forget where you came from? And when you blend too much in, this is the eternal question, you know, you assimilate too much, do you lose the core of what made this um, matter in the first place? Well, I think that we're losing on both fronts. At the front that you're talking about, which is the assimilation front, I think uh, the interfaith numbers speak for themselves. Jews are very comfortable in this society and very comfortable marrying people not of their faith. The fact that they were growing in the number of nuns is that tells us as the people who fill out um, questionnaires and say under religion none. Right, this is a, this is a phenomenon that's not reserved to Jews, but there are a striking number of Jews that are going down that path. And so on that front, we're losing, I suppose, part of that war against assimilation. But at the same time, we're not winning any friends by covering or hiding our Judaism. In fact, anti-Semitism in this country is on the rise. And the AJC just put out a new study on anti-Semitism where 25% of the Jewish community is saying that they have stopped wearing items that might identify themselves Jewishly. It could be a chai. I would assume that that it refers to a kippah, all kinds of things that Jews do not want to identify themselves openly on the street and that they have found themselves, I think, on the other end of anti-Semitic social media. But we're seeing a rise in this. And so all of our efforts to sort of fly under the radar don't seem to be working either. 
Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, again, taking it back to the comparison between Du Bois and and King. After that initial period of the, the burst of the civil rights movement, you see the black power movement, you see black is beautiful, you see this expression of pride that comes in the wake of Brown versus Board of Education and the, the early days of the civil rights movement. And I don't know that we've had that among American Jews. I don't know that we've ever had that explosion of Jewish pride in that same really open and aggressive way. I think that I can tell you through the 70s and the 80s, it became accepted to wear a kippah outside. I'll give this as an example. So I think we've gone through our own sense of uh, comfort living in America, but I think that we're also seeing that that's being taken back a little bit. Yeah. I think the Jewish pride could also be seen in advertising. You don't have to be Jewish to like Levy's rye bread. Right. Remember that? Right. That whole thing. And it's a really interesting subject. But coming back to Hanukkah again, I think that this year we ought to be thinking about the role of Joseph, because I think the American Jewish community understands Joseph, but there came a point where he had to identify again and make it known what his identity was. And I wonder if we're coming to a moment like that, and if that isn't an issue that we should be talking about this Hanukkah with our families. I think it's something we definitely should be talking about uh, at Hanukkah and, and all the time. Well, Jonathan, thank you. And I wish you and your family a uh, very bright Hanukkah and prayers for our country that this will also be a new time of growing light. Amen. Oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, the light, the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the horror. Gather around the table, we'll give you a treat. Sleep all the names to play with that lot because you eat. And while we are playing, the candles are burning. Each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. Oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance a horror. Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat. Sip open into play with that latkes to eat. And while we Burning low. One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. Oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's have a party, we'll all dance the horror. Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat. Sip open into play with the latkes we eat. And while we are playing, the candles are burning low. One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. For each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago.